Thanks for finding my show, Organic Matters, wherever you did. I'm on Spotify and iHeart and Apple Podcasts. And uh, about 10 of them all together. I need to really look them up. Anyway, you're welcome to listen that way. You can always come to my personal URL. I own it. Bruce, lowercase, B-R-U-C-E dot Dooley, D-E-U-L-E-Y dot com. Bruce.Dooley.com will take you just directly to the shows. I don't mind doing that because they have other radio stations that carry me. But I'm one of your rare radio, uh, what am I saying? DJ, announcer, host, whatever you want to call me, that pays for my own show. I don't want advertising. Do I advertise for people that I think have good things? Yes. But do I charge them? No. If there's things I think you should hear about that in your in my area or even in your area, I have to know where you are. Yes, by all means. But no, I, I've learned uh, I, don't, I don't pay a lot, but I pay some. I pay for my own shows. People still occasionally send me money, and I don't mind that. But they send it with no strings. It's not somebody want me to talk about a pesticide I don't believe in or a farming method that doesn't really work. I'm not going to do that. I, I'm... I'm paying for this show. I'll tell you what I think is best, and I really, I look. I don't guess. I don't listen to the fake news. A lot of it I've done myself. What I haven't done myself is sometimes friends that have done it that were working on particular projects for a dozen years or more that came up with some facts, facts, remember that, that are maybe of interest to you. So just relax and bear that in mind. I am not here as a critic. If somebody does something wrong, whether it's the... Trump administration when they did it or the Biden administration, I tell you about it. So I'm not anti-political, but I'm also don't base living in the world the way I did. Part of what made me what I am and the way I talk about things, but most of the time, folks, Mother Nature's right. We just got to stop and see what she's trying to show us. So for this, after such a long, strange Intro. Behind mass die-offs, pesticides are now shown to actually lurk as probably, if not the major, one of the major culprits in the whole situation. And I, hey, what is that? I don't want to break my arm, pat myself on the back. But I've been talking about this 20 years. It was so apparent. Rather something wipe out a whole population, whenever something can alter the entire environmental uh, um ecology that's around it for the worse that's not a good thing to have around and that's what pesticides do folks uh, I don't know if you're going to grow 10,000 acres I don't know if I can help you I don't know that end of the business I, that's not what I was grown up to learn but home gardens medium sized gardens, trees uh, not just gardens that have fruit but gardens that have flowers I've learned there's better ways and I appreciate it if you stay in tune. And well, you're not going to learn this in one show. I've been on 20 some years. You can always go to bruce.dooley.com, B R U C E dot D E U L E Y dot com. And there's always two or 300 shows. The last 300 shows I've done are all on there. So uh, if you want to see what I call the facts, and they're the facts as best as I know them, and you won't like some of them. But they're the truth. They, they, we are a part of the problem with what's going on on this little, actually, globe uh, we call Earth. 
were just really, folks, an ever-increasing number of fish living in a too small aquarium. Ever since, Olga Owen Huckins shared the spectacle of a yard full of dead DDT-poisoned birds with her friend, you'll know this name, Rachel Carson. This is way back in 1958. Scientists have been tracking the dramatic toll on wildlife of a planet awash, and I mean awash more than even when this is written with many times dangerous pesticides. Today, drips and puffs of pesticides still surround us everywhere we go, contaminating about 90% of the nation's major rivers now, and even the smaller streams, and more than 80% of sampled fish, one-third of the nation's aquifers were all shown to have pesticides. According to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, fish and birds that unsuspectingly expose themselves to this chemical, um, they just die by the millions every year. We never, because one's here and one's there, and it's all, we, ne- we never were really able to take a, uh, a survey of it, but we know it's happening. However, as regulators, whatever they are, grapple with the lethal dangers of pesticides, scientists, even now, right now, are discovering seemingly benign low-level exposures to pesticides can affect wildlife and possibly us in subtle but unexpected ways and could even be contributing to a rash of new epidemics pushing a number of species to the brink of extinction. In the past dozen years, no fewer than three literally never-before-seen diseases have decimated populations of, number one, amphibians, we all talk about bees, and most recently we're having a real problem with bats. A growing body of evidence indicates that pesticide exposure is playing an important role in the decline of the first two species, that would be amphibians and bees, for sure, and scientists are investigating whether such exposures may be involved in the death of more than a million bats in the northeast part of the United States in general over the past few years. For a long time now, for decades, toxicologists have accrued a range of evidence showing that low-level pesticide exposure impairs immune function in a number of different species of wildlife and have correlated this immune damage to outbreaks of various diseases. Consumption of pesticide-contaminated herring fish, for instance, has been found to impair the immune function of captive seals. For example, and they may have contributed to an outbreak of the stemper that killed over 18,000 harbor seals along the northern edge of uh, Europe, the European coast, back in the, in the late 1980s. I think it was like 1988 or 89. So even then we were talking about it. PCBs, which I don't like at all. Exposure to PCBs have been correlated with higher levels of roundworm infection, Arctic galls, The popular herbicide atrazine has been shown to make tadpoles far more susceptible to parasitic worms, which they end up dying from. As an example, the recent spate of wildlife die-offs began in amphibians. Scientists discovered the culprit. It was an aquatic fungus, the Trachocritrium dendrobatitis. I'll only do that once. It's a member of a family of funguses, 
called Chytrids, interesting that they all came together about 1998. Its devastation, says amphibian expert, Mr. Dr. Zipel, is unlike anything we've seen since the extinction of dinosaurs. Estimated over 1,800 species of amphibians currently face extinction from this one fungus. This and other what we want to call new diseases are just beginning to show it. There is, there is really a good, plausible story of chemicals affecting the immune system and making animals more susceptible. And let's do one more think about it story. In California, for example, insecticides coated on the crops of the San Joaquin Valley have now been shown to waft, I guess is the word, upward into the Sahara Nevada mountains where they settle in the air, snow, and surface water and inside the tissues of amphibians. And when Davison, Dr. Davison, that wrote this story, compared historical reports of pesticide use, habitat loss, wind patterns, and amphibian populations, the correlation was uncanny. It was almost like one map fit over the other map. He found a super strong correlation between the upwind pesticide use uh, and the big one that came out of that insecticide study was called carborols, which unfortunately is used very often all over this nation and has now been shown to be long-term exposure of chemicals is proven to be as big a problem, maybe a bigger problem than larger doses, but on an occasional basis. Be bombarded on a daily basis because you live where there's a chemical in your air from a factory somewhere or something is very, very as much likely to be detrimental to your health as would be one large exposure to it within limits. It's just a little bit scary. Just to make a point, bats are especially vulnerable to chemical pollution. They're small. Little brown bat only weighs eight grams, folks. Much as a penny. And can live up to three decades. Think of that. 30-year-old little tiny beady bat. Boy, that gives them a heck of a lot of time to accumulate pesticides and contaminants over a 30-year lifespan. Scientists know that they're exposed to and accumulate organochlorines, mercuries, arsenics, lead, dioxins. We don't even, haven't studied yet even. But they really don't know the total effects. They know that the whole, in general, number of bat populations are getting weaker. Just not sure why, what the connection is yet. Anyway, in the end, it's the central dilemma facing pesticide-resilient societies. I don't care whether they're bugs, us, or mosquitoes. And with statistical certainty that low-level pesticide exposures make living things more vulnerable to diseases is notoriously difficult. It does happen. There are too, too many pesticides lurking in too many complex, poorly understood habitats to definitely build a, a real damning indictment. But the evidence is there. It was the rapid decimation of amphibians, bees, and bats for sure. And the numbers actually seem to be ever increasing. So did all that to bring a point to you. Uh, organic matter started out and it still is a gardening show, although I really certainly have broadened out just because everything, the climate, the climate change, what's going on, affects your garden indirectly. That sounds strange, but I discovered that where I went, the... I can't say politics, but what was going on with the land around me, the poisons or the frackings, uh, had to do with my personal well-being in my gardening. So that's why I did this little rundown on, on the 
not possible, but certain extinction of certain uh, groups of animals, amphibians, way up on the list. But what they are are indicator species. They're telling us something's wrong with the environment that they have been in for millions of years that all at once they can no longer exist in. Then without too much extrapolation on my part, it's got to filter up to us. It's, it, we, we are the top of the food chain, folks. Actually, the top of the food chain. There's no predator that... that uh, controls or is in charge of any more of this earth than human beings. We are it. And so we have to solve it. And it's certainly not with more chemicals. It's going to be with bio-designed, I want to use the word, uh, pesticide products. They'll do what they do without harming the environment around them. That's what we need to do. Yes, we have pests. And yes, they do need to be dealt with. We can't let everything on earth live, period, because we have to live here too. But there's got to be a right in a wrong way to take care of that problem. And so far, we've been lazy. We've been taking the wrong ways. Be back after uh, these breaks with more of Organic Matters.